Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows. Movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Hello, my name is Dave Hannity and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 49 of the No Encore Music Podcast. You know what that means, guys. We're one episode away from our 50th episode, which uh, we should probably do something for that, shouldn't we? We should probably push the boat out, I think. Yeah, yeah. do you reckon handlebar moustache? Which I just thought of because I completely forgot. That's funny because I can't grow facial hair. Oh, okay, interesting. Forever young. Um, but yes, we it's have... Like Peter Pan <laughs> here in the corner. Um. <laughs> we have a very, very special event coming up in a couple of days. Thursday night, to be precise, March 2nd. It's the No One Car Live Show. What was that? Don't use that voice <laughs> at the show. Yeah, Can I not use it for the entire three and a half hours? Please no? don't. Workman's Club, baby. Thursday the 2nd of March. We hope to see you there. If you're listening after Thursday the 2nd of March and you weren't there, I want uh, answers on a stamp dressed envelope why you weren't there. Tickets are available at noencorelive.eventbrite.ie. You can get them on the door for €12 Euro on the evening. Yes, now, indeed. who do we have in store? We have... On stage. Uh, the wa- wonderful windings are on their way up from Limerick yep. to play for us. We have Weco Corners, mm. friends we, of the show. We have Farah L, Fast Rising Star. And to close out the night... Uh, what sounds like it's going to be an awesome live set from Bantam. Yes, Bantam is bringing his uh, his A game for the evening. We, initially, we thought he was going to do a DJ set of kind of Prince stuff, which would have been great. But he's actually pushing the boat out. And uh, he's, he's bringing the guitar, he's bringing along visuals, he's bringing along his own original material. And it's going to be a fabulous way to end proceedings. We also have guests coming in to chat to us as well. Uh, in the form of Mick Pope from The Galaxy, Mike K from Fight Like Capes and Other Voices, Kieran McGuinness from De Laurentos, Bettine McMahon from Knockin' Stock and Fame, and uh, there'll be other little things on the night as well, but uh, it's pretty packed. Will uh, 
there be prizes? <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're doing prizes. Damn right? it! Okay, it's not like I, I might just bring prizes. You start emptying the attic, Craig. Why <laughs> yeah. not? Yeah, we're not I'll, see what, I'll see. I'll see what I've got. We're not giving away a washing machine or a speedboat. <laughs> Look at what you could have won. Unless you know, yeah, bring whatever you want. If you got some old clothes to get rid of, or like whatever, whatever you feel. I'll like. have a clear out. All right, it's going to be great though, and I guarantee that anyone who shows up won't feel really uncomfortable and awkward and anxious and like 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 they probably shouldn't be there and which also mean, old. Which means you'll do better than. <laughs> Uh, the host of this show Hi Dave When he went uh, To Drake I did I went to see Arch Miserablest Pop culture sensation Aubrey Drake Graham Now first of all We have to ask The obvious question Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I was asked I was asked to go And review it Okay that, that, That's fair I mean, By Drake the, the <laughs> He li- wants some pointers The list As long as my arm Of bands That I have no Defensible reason For having seen Apart from the fact That I was asked To go review it if you're going to talk to any music journalist, you'll quickly learn that that is that, that that's a flawless defense. Frankly. It's the ace in the hole. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. No, no one can say nothing after that. And um, yeah, I was asked to review it by State Magazine, and you know, I kind of thought it was not happening when it happened. Like it was kind of sprung on me. I got like a message off Aaron, the editor of station. He was like, "You go for Drake this weekend," and I was like, "Really? That's happening? Okay." And then see what happened was uh, backstory here. I'm not a big Drake fan. I'm not anti Drake. I just don't quite get it. And I think he's got a few songs that are quite good. But overall, I think he's one of the more obvious artists who has so much filler in his albums that is just surprising to me. And I can't get over the level of success that he has kind of garnered for himself. You know, most played artists on Spotify and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all I of don't, that seems fair. Don't quite get it. So, but I went along, uh, that was part of the reason. I was like, I, I went along out of curiosity and also optimism in the hope that I would come away going, you know what, he is pretty good and now I get it. Okay. That didn't happen. No. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I got on the Lewis and I felt about 700 years of age by the time I got to the venue. And I went, I had no plus one. This is the thing. This is the ultimate first world problem. It's not a problem. I get it. No problem. You got I was going to say, this is another thing they have to get used to when you talk to journalists a lot. Yeah. I mean, you it's, moan the, about plus it, ones a it's lot. the ultimate Drake show thing, isn't it? Going alone is kind of how you should see Drake, I feel. That's what I thought. And I put up a Twitter poll to that end and it kind of came down about 70, 30 in the yes column. So I was like, I'll do it. I was always going to go, but you know, I had a bit of fun <laughs> with it. So yeah, I mean, got to the venue, got my ticket, you know, as always, you know, journalists seem to get the best seats in the house. So I'm in the front row. And uh, yeah, like I went down and the lady was showing me to my seat and she goes, oh, you're here and whatever. And like, you know, and uh, she's like, I think you're going to be sitting next to a gang of teenage girls. And I was like, that sounds fantastic. And she's like, are you a fan? And I was like, no. Of teenage uh, girls? Sorry. I think she meant of Drake. Okay. I, I went and got a drink in the bar to kind of kill some time because I got down there pretty early and there was a DJ on. And yeah, I was Come just on, like, Dave. Get to the music. <sighs> Let's get to the part where, where a teenager insulted me. Oh, yeah, I? that's I better. Actually, forget the music, really. yeah. The support act division was on, and they're all right. But uh, at the end, I, I took some notes. Like, I was sitting there on my own. I'm sitting there on my own with a seat next to me. Like, like, seats next to me, they're empty. And to my right, there's a gang of teenage girls. And I feel like a fucking creep, you know? I'm just like, like this is really awkward. So I write down some notes. And at the end of this, uh, some girl who turned, turns to me, and like, I couldn't have been more than 15 years of age. And she goes, are you enjoying the concert? She just destroyed me. Absolutely, absolutely destroyed me. The I pop know, concert. The pop concert. There, I didn't know what to say, so I just went, uh, yeah, it's grand. You like, lied to the teenage girl. Uh, and then I waited about two minutes and fled and got some beers and came back and like just tried to get on with my night. Uh, the seat next to me remained empty for the duration of the show, and I was convinced that I'd become a meme. Like Somebody would take a photograph, and they'd be like, we found the one guy more miserable than Drake, and you won't believe the rational explanation for why. Yeah. Uh, as for the show... 
Um, spirited performance, very good production, very well put together. You'd expect that. The man has money. He likes his fireworks. Mm-hmm. Really likes his fireworks, I have to say. Uh, likes his flames, likes bringing dancers out of nowhere, kind of rising columns. He had this big uh, inflatable globe balloon thing during the encore that was kind of ridiculous and didn't really work for me, but some people seem to be really enamored by it. Uh, I just think he doesn't have the tunes. I found it all a bit boring, and I have to say, you know, I know it's a hip-hop gig staple, but when you're only doing snatches of songs because you don't have the featured, featured artists with you or you want to do this kind of big collage, it just turns into medley the gig. Yeah. And I just didn't enjoy that. I was just kind of like, even Hotline Bling, I was like, oh, this will be fun. And at the end of it, I was like, well, that was just a bit perfunctory. Did he I, dance? I, yeah, kind of. Okay. I, I know this is a criticism that was landed on Rihanna when she played here last summer as well, that it very much turned into just like, you know, 30 second snippets of songs yeah. smashed together. It really isn't a sort of a proper live performance. Like Run sense. the Jewels, for example. Like I know, like when they play a song like "Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck," they stop before the Zach De La Rocca verse that closes that one. And fair sure. enough, you know he's not there, and it's about a minute long, so you can yeah. understand. Like, what are they going to do? Like, just dance for a minute? Like, so. But it does mean that in a live arena, some hip hop and kind of R and B acts can fall short. And I just kind of felt this was the case. However, I fully accept that I was very much in the minority on this one. The crowd were fucking deafening, uh, like absolutely into it. A younger crowd, as you might expect, and just giddy as all hell. Not as loud, though, as uh, the Macklemore crowd that we were at. Nothing was was as loud as the Macklemore crowd. That that really was genuinely the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was jet engine loud. Uh, And yeah, I got to say, like, I I, I didn't think this was terrible. I didn't think it was bad. I just was like, I'm not moved. Not one over. Not one over. And, you know, I just kind of thought it was, as I said in my review for state like that kind of uh oft quoted seinfeld line it's a show about nothing but at the same time old man shouts a cloud over here because look how successful he is and how beloved he is yeah and indeed it turns out the one man who was understood to have taken a shot uh, now says he did no- nothing of the sort here to explain attention everyone one one shut up craig on kanye Okay, Dave, would you have gone to Drake knowing that he was dissing our pal Kanye West? That changes everything. Yeah, it really does. Uh, In fairness to Drake, he was kind of defending himself. Um, Drake appeared to take offence at comments that Kanye West made back in November when Kanye seemed to suggest Drake and DJ Khaled's For Free was overplayed by radio. And maybe the choice kind of quote from Drake was, I'm not really sure what he's referring to half the time, so maybe we can kind of understand where Drake's coming from. Kanye is actually, rather than, you know, hit back or kind of escalated this beef that seems to be kind of fermenting. Does beef ferment? What would that taste like? Marinade, I think. (laughs) Okay. This beef that's marinating. Uh, Kanye's denied calling the song overplayed. Um, Basically, he said, I think TMZ came up to him and was like, we agree, Drake's way overplayed. And he's like, I don't know what you're referring to. So Kanye's trying to stay out of limelight. Um, But yeah, Drake seemed kind of bemused that it seemed like they're going to collaborate they were working on something they both kind of hinted that yes there might even be an album coming and Kanye's I don't know just calling him out essentially in other Kanye West news a giant gold statue of Kanye West has been erected on Hollywood Boulevard it's time yeah and that's it <laughs> yeah by the way I don't know if you've seen this statue I mean I don't want to have a shot at this bloke um, what, what, what's the artist's name Plastic Jesus Plastic isn't it? Jesus yeah, yeah. If that statue is... I look more like Kanye than that statue does. Yeah, the resemblance isn't great. It's absolutely shocking. 
Um, yeah, nails in his hands, a crown of thorns adorn his head, and he's wearing Yeezy Boost 350 trainers. Just so that's like maybe Jesus the, himself. Just like Jesus himself. Really makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> they, they provide the support you need as you climb Calvary. Um, Time for a one-show, one-off segment. Craig on the Brit Awards. <laughs> which Unfortunately, this one doesn't have a sting, but uh, nonetheless. Yeah, okay. We made Craig watch the Brits last night. We that did. was a special I feel like I should make you make a sting for this. I think it was kind of a, a you know a Dave kind of thing where about nine o'clock in the evening I was like why did I agree to do this? Mm-hmm. Especially when you realise it's on ITV, it's an ITV production. So you've got Dermot O'Leary, you've got Emma Willis instead of you know a comedian, someone that could tell jokes, just anything. You might as well have Martin King and Lucy Kennedy. Like that is the level of crap we're dealing with. They didn't have Anton Deck. No, they did not. Okay. Do they usually do it now? I, I, I don't know. Don't they're like, the they're like I feel like they've done it before. James Corden has done it before, but obviously he's fucked off to the States. Um, it was yeah, it was a humor free zone. For the most part it was a music free zone. I mean Bruno Mars did a kind of entertaining thing, you know, he got the crowd going, he did as we came a long way to, you know, play this show. Harry Coldplay like, did a tribute to George Michael in which oh. they just completely anesthetized everything he stood for. Of course they did. And this is what Coldplay does, by the way, now I've realized Chris Martin really wants to duet with great people. But who, they reject him when they're alive. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he wrote a song for Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash turned it down. That's it a appeared. great song. That's a great song. Well, it's Johnny called, Cash didn't think so. <laughs> it's called Till Kingdom Come, and Craig and I have clashed over this. That's an excellent song. <laughs> David Bowie, of course, turned him down. Famously. Yeah, I'm um, saying it's not one of your best, is yeah, it, mate? It's not one of your best. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the George tribute was actually great. Um, Andrew Richley spoke very movingly. It was very tastefully done. Yeah. Uh, Chris Martin just kind of was bland. But that is the Brits. It was like tastefully done and bland. That is the Brits. You've got, you have Ed Sheeran arriving in a suit looking like a cross between Harry Potter and Austin Powers. He then changes into a t-shirt and fucking jeans for his performance. Of course. That's the brand. Oh, but do you remember in the 90s when it used to be like Oasis and Blur just getting drunk and shouting at each other? That yeah. was the Brits. Or like Jarvis Cocker just like clashing heads or clashing arses with Michael Jackson, who's pretending to be Jesus. There's none of that. Can I ask, what was it, like, this is such a weird <laughs> question to ask, but what was Ed Sheeran's hair like while he was wearing the suit? Because I know I've spoken to a couple of like proper artists, Nathaniel Rateliff most notably, who was like, <laughs> <Okay>. proper artist. <laughs> no, he was just like, I'm amazed at Ed Sheeran being like this pin-up when it's clear that like he doesn't even bother to comb his hair before he has his photo taken. Yeah, there was a kind of feathered thing going on, so he made an effort, and he was wearing kind of dark-rimmed glasses. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, you know, it was kind of like windswept in a deliberate way. You were also impressed by uh, Emma Willis's hair. Yeah, good hairdo. Uh, Dermot O'Leary, not so much. Well, yeah, Dermot is going <laughs> the same route as myself, I'm afraid, yeah. He is, but yeah, it's just, you know, I think the biggest, most controversial moment was every teenager on Twitter thinking that the Brits was hacked. Did you see this? The 1975, during their performance, and I think as part of the sound music video, they flash up stuff like overrated and like the singer loves yeah, himself. Yeah, of course. All of their fans who apparently had never seen their own music video were just like, <laughs> what's going on? Have they hacked the Brits? Strangely, I uh, interviewed Matt Healy, the lead singer of the 1975. Oh, yeah. and Proper artist. And Proper. And, no, and it was, it was around that time where, and you're right, like it is part of the video for for that song. The song itself kind of references the whole sort of like overblown image of the sort of celebrated pop star. And I said, do you think your fans are going to get that you're being sarcastic? And he was like, I don't know. And yeah, it, it seems as though, yeah, it, it, it didn't go off perfectly. Um, yeah. Looking through the winners, uh, David Bowie uh, got two awards on the night, Best Male Solo Artist and Best Album. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes when they give awards posthumously, you go, oh, that's rich. But this is actually one, you know, that you're like, yeah, I mean, 
probably was the best British album of the last year. No, yeah. that was kind of, yeah, a highlight in terms yeah. of actually, you know, dishing out awards. Adele got Best Global Success Award. And the interesting thing about this was, they like, Dermot Leary goes, and the nominee is, and I was just like, the nominee. And then they just had a video of like Adele kind of clips. And then in the video, because she wasn't bothered turning up, no one turned up, like Beyonce wasn't there. Adele actually filmed something. She goes, I'd just like to, you know, say thanks to everyone and, you know, um, congratulate the other nominees. So she didn't realize she was the only nominee. It was quite brilliant. Um, But yeah, the culmination of what was essentially... Hang hang on, hang on. Emily Sandy from the Olympics won. Oh yeah, she won. She performed and she was quite good, actually. She did that song, you know the song? It was fine. that song. Yeah, Yeah. I can't even think of the name of it. It's just... No, she's the most forgettable artist out there. She, she, she is, is massively uh, so. It's she insane. Is. Like, she, I can't she, get over it. She's <laughs> a strong, independent woman, though. Well, somewhere in the middle of all that, uh, Holly Willoughby and Fern Cotton came out to present an award. I saw this to Little Mix, right? <laughs> yeah. And you realise, oh, because it's ITV. <laughs> and then Jonathan Ross came out. Well, it just means they don't have to pay people because they're on contracts, I'm guessing. Oh, okay, yeah, yes, yeah. so they were just pulling Philip Schofield with teapot. No, up. that would have been great. Did that anybody, would have been like the nineties. Did anybody <laughs> play live from inside the cube? That's an ITV <laughs> thing, isn't it? Katy Perry's thing was a bit cube esque, um, but no, like the culmination was basically throughout the show. Robbie Williams was hanging out with a kid and you know promoting Mastercard, and then he <laughs> finished the show by playing all new stuff <laughs> as people just looked around, going, "When can we get drinks?" And that was it. That was the Brits. He's lucky that didn't end up like that time we were talking about a few weeks ago, where Brandy ended up playing to forty people in the South African stadium. <laughs> Very at the close end of the to gig. coming to that. Yeah, he was named were... like what their icon or award or something. Was that he got that? three years ago what so i was like why is he turning up to do it again i thought he was getting like the you know jesus no they had a little kind of slideshow of just like culturally irrelevant show i mean i put up a poll on the no encore twitter uh, account saying you know do any of you have a clue that the brits were tonight and it was like 90 percent no like i mean i I was shocked because i saw like someone mention on twitter go like oh brits i was like like, really that's happening like like, i mean i don't watch tv but like i've seen nothing (laughs) i don't watch tv i I watch shows i don't watch actual tv because yeah, whatever um but like fucking yeah i was just like this is really really weird i've seen no talk about this no mm. build up no one seems to care and it was something that you would watch you know back in the 90s when there was a bit of cachet to it i guess but now you're just like what's the point well, I feel that's like, exactly it yeah. yeah and i mean like back in the 90s it might be one of the few nights where you get that sort of like a-list you know cast and red carpet rolled out and all the rest of it but that kind of happens every second weekend now i mean i didn't realize the oscars were happening yesterday so to speak until like three days before they took place because you just lose track of this maybe we're just jaded perhaps i I think it is a case that britain just doesn't have as interesting pop stars at the moment it's just it's it's a bland kind of moment the other thing is that it's become quite homogenized and quite Mm. and um, also feels like let's make sure we have an award for everybody as well well yeah and more to the point as well let's make sure that we're not going to be left out of touch because looking at the British Breakthrough Act, which went to Rag and Bone Man, which is fine. <laughs> I mean, like he's 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 got a very good voice. He that, does. That he's that lovely name, chap. That name, that name is so shit. Like it's just terrible. Oh, there was also a moment. And sorry, not to kind of take this off yeah. course, but he got up to accept the award, and he goes, "I've literally got nothing to say. I, I don't know." <laughs> he went off. Then later in the show, Dermot O'Leary and Emma Willis went over to his table to have another chat, and he was just like, "What are you doing?" I still have nothing to say. Yeah. And they were just like, "We heard your." Cat was um, at the awards, and he's like, "Yeah, there's a few bite marks in it." Like that was the level of banter. Oh my god, wow. that's terrible! But Colm, as you were saying, yeah, Rag and Bone Man kind of getting that award. But like he he's been, I mean, I think it was like number two on the Sound of 2016 chart by the BBC yeah. or 2017 even, which is by the way the most. Re- 
ridiculous fucking award I've ever heard. They literally go to BBC journalists and go, who do you think is going to be big in 2017? How can they possibly be wrong? <laughs> They're the ones who are playing the yeah, songs yeah, on the yeah. BBC. They turn around at the end of the year and go, so I was like, right about that, huh? The tastemakers. Um, and you know, and he, he, like, he was also, I mean, on some of the other Critics' Choice Awards, you know, the, the kind of sound of 2017 and all that sort of shit. And yeah, I mean, like, Obviously, if you go for the same person as everybody else, yeah. you're all going to be right on a break. Now they did. They did have a moment where they actually allowed Skepta b- to perform because right. you know they come in for lots of stick for completely neglecting Grime, which is just blowing up in recent times. And his performance seemed like it was great, but it was so like they just kept dipping the sound because you know, yeah. yeah. Really. So you well, couldn't sit, you hear any of it. Like saying much. naughty words. He was saying was yeah. a year or two ago. Um, yeah, it's it's such a homogenized show. It there's no life to it. It's terrible and. Thanks for watching it, Craig. I appreciate yeah, you. Uh, very, very the, welcome. Two, Took one for the team right two there. Two or three hours, whatever it was. And uh, next year, look at my notes, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I take a photo of this and put it up. On uh, it, sh- it should be said as well. Thank God he did because it's been a pretty quiet week, otherwise, yeah. as far as news goes. And uh, what's more, what news there has been has been grim. Uh, first of all, we have a, a Chris Brown update, um, which which involves the upsetting news that his uh, fight with Soldier Boy doesn't seem to be going ahead. I hate to say I told you so. Yeah, um, I guess we're just going to have to be happy with Mayweather versus McGregor now, mm. eh? Because that one's happening. Um, <laughs> Is that not happening now? Somehow It'll I doubt happen. it. But oh, okay. Either way, yeah, Chris and Soldier Boy, uh, not happening. According to Soldier, um, Brown won't sign the contract for the boxing match um, that he had deemed the only way to settle their dispute. And um, the manager said last night, or a few nights ago, that the fight is off and it's not happening. Don't ask me about this shit no more. Which is disappointing. Uh, Also, this week, Chris Brown um, has been uh, banned from coming within 100 yards of an ex-girlfriend of his uh, for allegedly threatening her. So, you know, no news there, really. Yeah. Um, We'd stop talking about Chris Brown. <laughs> yeah, like to I be fair, so. I mean, like, we had to update the boxing name because we did talk about it before. But uh, uh, from now on, no more Chris Brown on the show. We're about to hit fifty. Yeah, so I think okay. this is where we draw He's a line fucking, under. He's, He's a gone. horrible, horrible human being, <laughs> and uh, no more. Okay, I think we could also start saying goodbye to Billy Corgan. No, to be honest, <laughs> who, who who has been compared by uh, a former bandmate to being like Donald Trump. Former pumpkin David Pajot, uh, who of slim fame, uh, said that while he was watching the campaign, he thought Trump is so much like Corgan. Sure, Billy loves this guy. I know he's a Trump supporter. He has to be. He's got millions of dollars. He's got that ego, and he loves the bully mentality. Again, he's also no been news. involved. He's also been involved in professional wrestling, as has Donald Trump. Yeah, this is very true. That's yeah. a good link. That's something that David Pajot has, has left out of his character assassination here, and also the fact that Billy Corgan is just in charge of smashing moments. <laughs> he's not in charge of you know the United States of America, which is good. I think I prefer if Billy Corgan. Was also, in charge. yeah, by far anyone oh. at this point. He likes no. cats and pro wrestling. He's like, how, how bad can how bad can one person be? I, I will. Did, I did quite like the photo that went around of um, Donald Trump appointing Linda McMahon. Uh, wife of WWE impresario Vince McMahon and, and there, like Vince there Shane's and there. Shane's there and Steph uh, Triple H's wife and uh, and their ki- all their kids yeah. and somebody pointed out that Stone Cold Steve Austin had Stone Cold stunnered half of the people in the photos <laughs> including the president <laughs> and it's not often you can say that no. That's so weird. It, I know. It's so strange. It is like some sort of alternative Wait, hang on, hang on. universe. Did, did Donald Trump take a Stone Cold Stunner? Yeah. 
know. Apparently so, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. I'm surprised that clip hasn't been gone around the internet That should more. automatically exclude you from being the President of the United States ever. That it appears like... as though nothing automatically excludes <laughs> you from yeah, that Yeah, would anymore. that not exclude like half of North America? I don't know. Who's been Stone Cold's just stunned. going around the country. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is interesting from Pajo. He's basically kind of intimating that we might see Billy Corgan like publicly go off the rails as a firebrand i can't quite see it corgan is like for all his kind of whining it's more whining than kind of that's, ex- that's exactly it isn't it like yeah like, I, I, I don't see him suddenly getting on a soapbox and proclaiming like and know. actually in fairness to billy corgan i've seen him in kind of longer form interviews and he's more agreeable in those i think when you see him in just these condensed bits he seems like the ravings of a lunatic but actually yeah. he makes a lot more sense when you're just you know hear him expand country, maybe, and, and also yeah. as well he doesn't have uh, like one of those pet subjects in which people really just, like, disappear into the abyss. <laughs> he just seems to, like, get distracted by a lot of different things. Yeah. So, you know, he's unlikely to... to a to bit go like Donald Trump. ...completely <laughs> off the rails in one of them, yeah. Although, hey, look, we all laughed at Tom DeLong, and uh, this week it seems as though NASA ba- are backing him up. So, um, you know, last laughs for him, I guess. Cut that NASA bump. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the news. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty bad week. <laughs> yeah, pretty good week for new songs, though. So we launch into uh, a bunch of those. Craig, give me a number, please. Uh, number three, please. Come. Number three is uh, a sudden and fairly full-bodied return from Ride. Uh, this is one of two songs that they released this week. Uh, it's called Charm Assault. Yeah, so 20 years after their last uh, new music, uh, Ride Are Back. That one is Charm Assault. It was unveiled along with Home Is A Feeling uh, this week. They have live dates coming up uh, in this city in Dublin and indeed in Belfast uh, later this month. But, well, is it going to be worth keeping an eye out? What do you make of this? I I don't know. I mean, in a sense, it kind of sounds like they're picking up where they left off and that no time has passed in between in one way it's kind of good because there's a bit of life to it and it kind of comes straight out of traps but then again like production wise and everything it just uh, sounds quite dated very dated uh, the whole shoegaze thing kind of passed me by uh, like as a massive this mic- isn't that shoegaze no like. it's not no, this is no, the thing this is far from shoegaze yeah. the other track Home this is sounds a like the war on drugs or something Home like. is a Feeling is quite shoegazy. this I genuinely thought that there's quite a, a Brit poppy sort yeah, of vibe to yeah. this like it has, has those kind of twinkling almost Cure-esque guitars as well and it's, yeah it's doesn't have that it's big hazy, sound it's washy, of it. it's, yeah. it's it's very throwback and it's fine i didn't i did i actually quite like this right. i must be honest yeah. um, apparently it's a protest song <laughs> of course it is it does sound like they're saying trump a lot but apparently they're not but um <laughs> yeah like you know when you think of what say the stone roses for example a much bigger band have come back with this isn't half oh, bad this is so you know better. yeah All for one <laughs> jesus yeah. that's like one of the worst songs of last year which somehow escaped my attention when i compiled the top 10 worst of last year yeah no this was quite good i must say um I mean, I'd be interested to hear what else they come out with. Um, Home is a feeling, like I say, the other single they've released this week kind of suggests that it is, yeah, a bit more shoegazy, a bit more fuzzy, a bit more sort of introspective and, and what I guess we might have expected from Ride, yeah. particularly from a comeback from Ride. But um, yeah, I see enough signs here to be optimistic of what's to come. 
Uh, speaking of protest songs, we also had one from Bonnie Prince Billy this week. This is called Treasure Map. I get my strength from all the love that comes my way. And if we're brave, it's that we have the chance to say, I own this moment and keep loneliness at bay. By giving all of what I can Yeah, that one is part of a four-song compilation where all the proceeds go to the Southern Poverty Law Centre. Uh, Bonnie Prince, Billy, a guy who I would have been familiar with about 12 years ago, I think, and I've sort of lost track of now. But this one, it's quite nice. It's nice. There's a bit in it, though. He's one vocal inflection in particular that kind of is nails on a chalkboard to me. Oh, really? Okay. But in general, it's quite nice. It's very kind of tailored and well done. And uh, yeah, like I, I think much like the news section this week, like a couple of these songs, I just don't know what to really say about them because they're just kind of straightforward and they're fine, and this is straightforward and fine, and, and it's pleasant and I like it. But I don't know. I just yeah. Here's know. the thing, though. I mean, we spoke what it is. We've spoken in the last little while about kind of like political commentary and protest songs and so on and so forth, and when they can be like a little on the nail, I suppose, or on the nose, and a bit too literal and blah, blah, blah. Yet this sort of music, I think, lends itself to that. It's yeah. the old sort of folk musician sort of style. And, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a line in this uh, of, you know, sell your mind and buy new eyes, sell old ideas and buy surprise. And I was like, I like that. And I like it being delivered in this way. Yeah, there there is nice imagery in this. And he is the right person to be doing this kind of song. Uh, I often, you know, stay away kind of from his music, or it seems a bit like... <laughs> intimidating sometimes because you just think of him as being so morose and it's like you're throwing yourself into this kind of black pool that sounds just, fair um, but on this I mean even given the subject matter it works well it's kind of light enough and actually the vocal inflection is kind of sold it for me I thought it was a strong tune um, particularly for something that's just going on like a charity record uh, I thought it was a strong number like I, I liked it yeah, I was ready to kind of be like another protest song, really. But, you know, if it's for charity, fair enough. Uh, it's fine. It's grand. It's campfire or by the fire or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> campfire, by the fire. move on to another song, will we? Rapid fire, uh, since it's about actually shooting people. But, oh, well. Jesus. Uh, Lana Del Rey. Love. This is turning you on. So the sounds like. This, I mean, we've heard this one before, haven't we? Like, over and over again. Was this not off her first record? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a reissue. Yeah, it's Lana Del Rey. Didn't recognise her at first. Um, like, yeah, this is, what, three or four records in for yeah, the, it'll be the formerly fourth, known yeah. as Lizzie Grant? No, 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 this is the fifth album. Because fifth album. Well, that's including the kind of EP of stuff yeah. Well, the did. quote that comes yeah. with this is hilarious. She's, I made my first four albums for me, but this one is for my fans and about where I hope we are all headed. Which is presumably backwards because this <laughs> is straight from Born to Die. This is straight from what she's done before. I just, I mean... It's something that I mentioned last week when we were talking about Los Campesinos, and I was like, you know, it it always feels rich for me to kind of sit here and say, you know, like, that thing that you've done well for years, do something else. But this is genuinely now just, like, 
You're boring the shit out of me here, love. Well, I think in fairness, yeah, sonically, I mean, you've just got those strings. I mean, it could just have fallen off, born to die. But actually, lyrically, there is some progression here, I feel. Because she stopped looking so much at herself and stepped back a bit, which is progress, definitely, I think. There's less of the pastiche of, oh, I like bad guys, oh, I'm in a red dress, oh, you know, isn't love great? Hollywood, 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 Hollywood. Yeah, actually, in these lyrics, there's a bit of reality seeping in and a bit of a sense of, you know what, we might have these great ideas of ourselves and we might be romanticizing stuff, but actually, there's a limit to things and everything isn't entirely brilliant. And she's kind of trying to make this almost, you know, statement about maybe a generation slightly younger than her, which I think maybe should be applauded because she'd been in such a rut in terms of her lyrical writing. That's at least something. I'll go along with that yeah. for sure. I, I I actually like this song. I do agree the aesthetic remains the same, and that's a problem. But at the same time, an aesthetic is an aesthetic, and it's often an aesthetic for an entire career for an artist. It's just kind of the way it goes, and you kind of have to just deal with that. I mean, Land Ray thing, I, like, I, I still think Video Games is one of the worst songs. Not, Such a good I, song. I, I think it's incredibly barren. Not one of the worst, but I think it's incredibly barren. I think the hype that surrounds that song it, it mystifies me to this day. She has so much better songs than Video Games, and this might be one of them. I think it's really good. Uh, again, it's nothing we've not heard before. It's pretty much what I expected. And I avoided the song for a few days because I was, first of all, I kept getting emailed it from the same PR people. I was like, okay, relax. I get that you're excited about this, but I got it already. Um, and when I got to it, I was like, yeah, actually, this is good. I was like, this is actually, and, and the reason it's good is for the reasons Craig has outlined. The It feels like she's actually looking at other people than herself. It doesn't just feel like a long, woe is me, gaze into the mirror. It's a bit kind of, you know, on the nose because I don't think she's that good of a, lyric, a lyricist, but it's a step in the right direction at least from that point of view. But again, she is mired in a quicksand of her own making, sonically, and I can't imagine that's going to change. Yeah, I, to be honest, I mean, I go along with you on the idea that she's kind of bogged down uh, in, in something that is definitely uh, her own design. And yet this just did nothing for me, to be honest. Um, maybe if you're, I don't know, you know, love struck or something, you're going to get something out of these lyrics. To me, they sounded plain they sounded just i don't know perfunctory let's almost. have let's have a quick little impromptu game here okay because <laughs> it says the album is set to have some exciting guest featured artists with full details forthcoming right. let's all guess one person who'll be on the album i'm gonna say the weekend father john misty um ooh, some u.s vocalist male <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't it's know. It's meant to be like off the cuff. Just pick one, <laughs> yeah, like, so and we'll see who get, who gets it right. Oh, you don't. Act- oh, it's, oh yeah, right. Dre. You don't actually know. Okay, right. Well, <laughs> you think Doctor Dre will end up on the new Lana Del Rey record? Craig thinks Father John Miss you, and I'm going for the weekend. Yeah, I no. feel like me or Craig are going to win this. Match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you'd be welcome to it. I was, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was so unimpressed with Lana yeah. Del Rey on the Weekends album that I would hate to see him return the favor. Um, <laughs> this is incredible. I think she's so vastly overrated. So and <laughs> about this song, you seem really defeated by, by Lana Del Rey. I just, yeah, I she's think it's terrible. I think it's really bad. I'm just surprised that you like it. It's all right. Something that yeah. at least I'm down with giving the thumbs up to this week is uh, the new one from Health. Yeah. It's taken from a kind of remix and odds and ends album called Disco Three. Uh, which is out now. This one is called Euphoria.
yeah, this one is the opening track from a sort of a, a hodgepodge collection that they have uh, flung out this week. Um, I like it a lot. Me too. Sadly, not a throwback to the days of Euphoria. Remember those albums with like Alice DJ? And, oh yeah, Hard House Euphoria and yeah, like Darude Sandstorm. I'm sure yeah. it was some seventeen remixes of that is on there. Bass in the place, <laughs> London. Bass in the place, London. Uh, don't, yeah. don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> uh, this it's is not a sing along classic, Dave. You can't I, do an acapella. Um, I'm a huge fan of Health. I fucking love this band. I think they're tremendous. I love everything about them. They're great on Twitter, by the way. They're very, very funny. Uh, worth a follow. Uh, terrific band, really interesting. I love Jupiter Keys vocals. I love their whole sonic aesthetic that they have for themselves. Death Magic is the kind of like this is a companion to that record, which came out uh, a couple of years ago now. And I kind of feel like that album was really kind of overlooked, really kind of slept on. Some people thought they they went a bit too poppy. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a really, really intelligent and fun uh, way of looking at life and death in their kind of weird way, uh, with some excellent, excellent tracks. And they tend to do this. They tend to like kind of give you. Uh, a little bit of bits and pieces to accompany their full-fledged records. Like, this is available as, like, a Dropbox download as well as being on Spotify and that kind of thing. It's actually a second disc of stuff on it as well. We got that track Crusher, which came out a while ago, and this is very much in line. It's exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's glitchy, it's punchy, and it's kind of knowingly kind of throwbacky kind of, you know, synthwave in its way. And I love it. I just, I love I love these guys. I love what they do. I'm not as absolutely sold uh, as you on, on health. I do like them, and I really do like this track. Um, not to kind of harp on on what we've kind of mentioned for the past couple of weeks but you know when there's a good enough frame to a song I think I think it can stand up to the glitches and so on and so forth and this is one of those that yeah definitely like it's just got such a strong hook that you can you know hang it all manner of bells and whistles off it and it still really stands up to it the rest of the collection doesn't always follow that um, yeah. it does have its, its weak points or at least should I say it's changes but, uh, but this song yeah massive thumbs up from me and yeah I've just gone to Health's Twitter and it reads, if you can jerk off to Ratatouille, your imagination is definitely still intact. So it's a thumbs up for me. <laughs> They're very and funny. finally, on the Songs of the Week front uh, for this week, a new one from At The Drive-In, another that we've been waiting close to two decades to hear material from. It's called Incurably Innocent. Uh, take a listen. Yeah, this is another one that we'll be turning to. Dave, as a sort of resident fan. Hello. Um, 17 years it is since Relationship in Command. Uh, Their first uh, album since then is going to be called Interalia. This is the second taste that we've heard of it. And apparently a song about sexual abuse and being able to finally speak out, which, to be fair, doesn't straight away come across. No, it doesn't. Uh, but then again, at the drive-in, and obviously, you know, to a much more stronger degree, the Mars Volta spin-off group uh, associated with the band would often have lyrics that were fairly impenetrable and strangely hard to permeate. But how do you follow up an album like Relationship of Command? Especially, well, take a 17-year break seems to be one good I'm, way of going about it. I'm so, so nervous about this record. It comes out on May the 5th. This is the second single that has been released. The first one was Governed by Contagions, which I really like. Um, the kind of criticism that when it came out was, well, this is obviously a bit straightforward and what you would expect, maybe a bit, maybe a bit at the driving by numbers, but I think that's a real grower, and I think it's, I, 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 I think it's really, really strong. This one, not so much. It's fine. It's good. It's grand. 
but it's at the driving by numbers and you don't have Jim Ward there in the background screaming either it makes me concerned uh, the track listing has been revealed for this and I saw someone today on the Drown and Sound message board saying this track listing reads like an April the 1st joke on like Fact Magazine or something it, it definitely does look like a bit, it's been put through one of those kind of generator programs that you get it really does but the one kind of overriding uh, sense of hope here that they might come close to relationship with man because they're not going to eclipse that record there's no way it's honestly one of the best records I've ever heard in my life um, is that I saw them live last year and they were fantastic they weren't phoned in they weren't they didn't look tired like, cause they, they did a reunion tour in 2012 and they didn't look good and it didn't, it didn't sound good either and I went to that show with a degree of trepidation as well and I thought it was phenomenal they were excellent they were really up for it everything sounded gold and again that was without Jim Ward being there as well so I remain cautiously optimistic but I gotta say I, I don't I, I, I just I don't know I mean like I, 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 I fear I fear a mediocre record here. see I've got to say I thought this song actually sounded really good I think they do that sort of combination of of, you know something kind of frantic and intense but yet still quite precise extremely well and i thought that this was a very good example of it uh, i understand what you mean about you know are, are they like first of all is the kind of level of genius going to still be there and that yeah is questionable but then again you know when you've set a high bar for yourself that's always going to be the case um commitment i suppose uh, and commitment to ideas is the other issue but i thought that this song kind of ticked the box in that regard it's a bit box ticking though, I think. I mean, the last single I agree was a grower and it got me excited. This was almost like the exact opposite in terms of I first heard it and I was like, okay, it's, it's catchy. It's, it's hooked me in. I love those guitars. I love that kind of high fret work. But the more and more I listened to it, the more and more it just seemed a bit thin or something. Uh, it didn't have that heaviness I'd associate with the meter. It's lightweight, yeah. It is a bit lightweight. An enjoyable I, 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 one I, I, to I, I, begin I, with. I quite like that about it, to be perfectly honest. Okay. I quite liked the idea that it sounded like they could strip away a lot of the... I'm not going to say substance, because that's not quite the word I'm looking for, but, you know, like, I guess the sort of the real size of a song, so to speak, and that, you know, you could still see the, the sort of intricacies uh, that actually made it work it's along the way. It's a bit kind of skeletal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, maybe it will make more sense in the context of the record, and it could just be a nice kind of breeder or something like that, but I don't know. I hope so. Uh, I very much hope so. It's It's now very much one of my most anticipated records of 2017, and let's hope... But, you know, at the same time, Relationship of Command is such a strong album that I don't care what they release next. You're never going to be able to tarnish that album. That album is just too damn good. And if you've never heard it, listener, go, do. It's fantastic. We spoke very briefly at the end of last week's show about the new Ryan Adams album, Prisoner. We decided, since we have all had a chance to give it a spin by now, uh, that we'd give a collective verdict rather than just my very brief summation uh, seven days ago. So uh, this is a reminder of one of the lead singles from the... It was called uh, Do You Still Love Me? What can I say? And 
And as the an opening track of a Heartbreak album goes, that is a little bit different. You're kind of thinking, where are the A minors? We're thinking with Ryan Adams, where is the sort of gentle acoustic country balladry? That comes along later. But I said last week that it isn't a paint by numbers con- or breakup album. Would you agree? Uh, the interesting thing about Ryan Adams at this point, I think, is that there were so many years where he was releasing record upon record every year. We get three or four records. And the reviewers would say, okay, he, when he's good, he's very, very good, but he's no quality control. And we're really struggling to get a kind of heartbreaker or a love is hell where we actually get that classic record again. So it's become this thing where he's been releasing solid records now for so long and actually exercising quality control. You're kind of surprised when you see the reviews and you're saying, oh, yeah, he's back to greatness. And then you listen to it and it's a good collection of songs. But there's nothing that spark is kind of missing. And, uh, you know, this is obviously a very personal record to him um, about, the break, the, you know, the breakup of his marriage. And it does have huge echoes of, you know, Bruce Springsteen's kind of midlife work where, he, you know, Tunnel of, of Love stuff, which dealt with a breakup as well. Sonically, it sounds like that. But it's it really is for me a continuation of his covers of 1989. Yeah, there's Sonically, and I think the crucial thing is even lyrically, like lyrically, there's not a huge amount on this where I go, we're really getting an outpouring from this guy. I'm getting some massive insight. If he was going through this stuff while he was, you know, just playing Taylor Swift songs, him just kind of doing interpretations of those songs worked as well as breakup songs that were personal to him as his own material. Yeah. And like I, the songs are good. I, I watched the Brits for three hours yesterday. Every song on this record is better than any of the songs that were played in the Brits. <laughs> so there is a level of quality I'm talking about, but nothing really grabbed me here. Yeah, I mean, like based on what you said there, the kind of accompanying quote before this record came out is that I started writing this record while I was going through a very public divorce, which is a humiliating and just a fucking horrible thing to go through, no matter who you are. To be me and to go through that the way that I did was destructive on a level that I just can't explain. So a lot of extra work went into keeping my chin up, remembering what I did and what I loved about who I was. Now that, you would expect, would result in a record a lot stronger than this and a lot more you know, transparent in the best kind of way. Uh, as you say, Craig, there's not a lot here to latch onto from a lyric point of view and even from like to me if you sat someone down uh, who hadn't listened to tom petty in a very long time and just had this on the background and then said this is the new tom petty album i'd say they'd probably believe you some of the tracks Mm. for sure it's just that kind of driving around americana style very straightforward very little substance well i would i would argue that he differs from a lot of that americana in that he is very much a discipline or a discipline a disciple of kind of 80s british guitar rock and stuff like you know morrissey and mar and i think that informs kind of everything he does as well as his kind of love of you know the likes of husker do replacements more hardcore stuff so i think i think at this point you do instantly go oh this is ryan adams but maybe that's a problem i mean you do have those tom petty guitars but you also have those johnny marr guitars which sound great um but yeah i mean it's kind of the same old trick he's been pulling for a while now You see, the one thing that I'd say there is that, and I mean, I agree that it's not, you know, an outpouring at any given moment and that sonically it it, it is, you know, quite a strong album, but obviously doesn't have that, you know, heartbreak quite literally. And and of course, like that, that he kicked off his career with. But I quite like that because I think that 
it, it's an album where he almost seems to have found a little bit of distance from it. I know he says that he wrote it while he was going through a, a very public divorce, but maybe it's that, I don't know, he handled it very well, which is an entirely un-Ryan Adams <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But this genuinely does seem to be something where he's actually come to terms with it. Is this, the, isn't le- this is less a breakup album. This is the kind of like a year or two years down the line from the breakup album where you're starting to look back yeah, at the relationship yeah. no, that's and process it in a better sense. But that kind of ties into what I was saying at the start, like where, you know, everyone used to kind of lambast him for, oh God, he's such an immature guy and he could be one of the greats. Look, look right. these amazing songs he's done, if he could only pull it together. And now he's just like a very kind of sensible, mature guy that's a real kind of craftsman in terms of songwriting. But the other great stuff that came with the kind of madness creatively is gone. You'd expect a track like Fuck the Universe to pop up here. Yeah, well... And it doesn't. And it's all... Even like Outbound Train, you're just like, Jesus, this could be on any bargain basement country record. I would recommend for you, Dave, as a fan of Fuck the Universe, which is amazing, his EP, his 1984 EP that he released a couple of years ago, it's like him doing Husker Do stuff like that. It sounds amazing. So that's kind of the the Ryan Adams that you want, but he's not doing it on the major releases anymore. Yeah, yeah, this is just a very safe vanilla listen for me. I must confess, I'm not as well versed in the Ryan Adams as someone like Craig would be, and you know, I never quite got it to the extent of you know his level of appeal. I suppose, like you know, he, he can also be really fucking irritating. I mean, like like when that Oasis documentary came out, he was like, "There's just no rock stars left, man." I'm like, really. Really? And I remember, like, The weekend was grieving about Prince, and he was like, oh, there's no one left. And Grant's like, you know, it's a hyperbolic thing to say. But Ryan Adams was like, he's like, there are. I'm here. And well, I was like, Jesus. Ki- he's <laughs> a kind of a temperamental bollocks, to be fair. Like, But um, but creatively, no, I, I, I think he's on, you know, something that's closer to the right track than he has been yeah. for a while. I mean, like, I, I think this is really, really good. And I'll probably yeah. come back to you in six months and be like, oh, I don't know how I skipped past this certain track, but it's just grown on me to such an extent. Because I always get that from him. But I'm literally, compared to his absolute peaks, I don't know. If we're going to see that again sure yeah trying to give us a number oh yeah like we're allowed to do sevens now aren't we it's yeah. like a seven seven point five for me sure. <sighs> i'm gonna go seven point five eight five like okay. like, like this is an in the middle record for me like neither wildly great or hysterically terrible and i need to spend more time with it but it just didn't grab me all right well to close this week we are going to turn dave from five all the way up to 11 <laughs> as he talks us through these guys Yeah, that's the hand that feeds, it's Nine Inch Nails, and it is the subject of the second in our series of listening guides. Dave, take it away. From David Bowie to Trent Reznor. Uh, Yeah, the hand that feeds, I think, is an interesting one to go with uh, there, because first of all, it's good for a little snippet, and it's very accessible. It's very kind of poppy, and it's a really fun track. Also, it's the one and only times that Nine Inch Nails appeared on CD UK. Remember that uh, morning ITV chart (laughs) show? Who could ever forget? Yeah, look that up. It's ridiculous. Trent Reznor has like these giant sunglasses on, a terrible haircut, and a white shirt. Who was presenting at that point? I presume Cat Dealey was probably on there. uh, Was she presenting a Brit last night? No, she wasn't actually. She was missing. A few ITV heads that was left. <laughs> Very much so. Well, you're not going to find Cat Dealey reference too often when you talk about Nine Inch Nails, but I think it's actually a good contrast to kind of take you all the way back to the start because when I would play Nine Inch Nails occasionally in the hot press office and I would tailor it to a track like that one, like something that you could get away with playing and like, without pissing people off, Craig Fitzpatrick <laughs> enjoyed one song in particular, and that song sounds like this. No, I can't. 
So that's the completely bonkers down in it. Which, yeah. if you thought that was bonkers, let's just have a quick listen to the ending. So yeah, Craig, um, the first time I put that on The Office, what was your reaction? I thought it was funky as fuck. It is. <laughs> it was good to go. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Nine Inch Nails for me. When I hear like snatches of them, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm, I'm drawn in. I enjoy it, but I enjoy it in a way that I feel like I, I kind of shouldn't be or there's something wrong because there's something strange about the music that I can't quite find myself to get on board with. So I'm hoping this listening, listener's guide drags me in. Well, before we get right to the listening guide, I'll just give you my own quick background with Nine Inch Nails yeah. because they were a band that I, you know, I, I've, during this, by the way, much like if I was talking about M83 they slash he you know because it's Trent Reznor yeah, Trent yeah. Reznor this is Trent Reznor's baby and he's had like a touring band some of whom are very long term members although in recent times he's actually added Atticus Ross his kind of soundtrack co-conspirator as a full-fledged permanent member because if you like like the, if you look through the the, you know, the history of Nine Inch Nails there's names that come and go including actually uh, remember Robert Patrick T1000 from uh, Terminator 2 yes I his, do his brother Richard Patrick wow. was in the band at one point before going on to form Filter so, that makes total sense for some yeah, reason it's, it's that weird thing of like you you know, basically, so if I say they, you know, don't worry about it. So basically, uh, essentially, we're in this situation where, like, I completely dismiss this band. I was very, very ignorant about them. And I remember this at a very kind of particular point when Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt came out. And, you know, everyone raved about it, and rightly so. It's an incredible song. Obviously, with that video as well, it's kind of like, you know, an epitaph for the man mm. while he was still alive, while he was dying, and obviously very much on the way out. And I recall a friend of mine was big into Nine Inch Nails, and I was kind of slagging her off. I was like, ah, look, you know, uh, Johnny Cash found the song in there, like, you know, and that really barren, annoying, depressing thing that yeah. had been put out before. And I have to say, like, the one time, I think the one time in my life that, like, you know, watching something on a television screen, like a like a live performance that actually came through and transcended it, because normally, like, you know, it just doesn't. I was watching the BBC's coverage of Reading in 2007, and they put on a, the live take of Nine Inch Nails doing Hurt. And I was transfixed, absolutely, like, like never before, never since. I just couldn't get over it. It really hit me for six, and it made me kind of go and go, okay, I need to actually give this band the time of day now yeah. you know youtube was around then it was kind of in its infancy and i was looking up different live versions of hurt found some incredible ones and then from there i kind of went down the rabbit hole and what i want to say for anyone who has never heard nine Inch nails before or if you're you've heard the odd song or whatever you might be pleasantly surprised by just how poppy it, it can be mm. uh, because trent Reznor really fucking knows his songwriting he really knows his pop sensibilities now i will say flaw-wise with Trent Reznor you know you might say I'm not crazy about his vocals I can see why somebody would have an issue and kind of think New Order they might think I love the music but like Bernard Sumner he doesn't have the strongest vocal capability and it's a bit kind of flat I personally don't think that but I can totally understand why somebody might yeah. and lyric-wise he can be very very on the nose and he can be very very almost kind of you know a much more adult version I suppose of Bono's rhyming scheme here and there right. like it can be a bit kind of like okay that's a bit lame and he's not subtle you know he ain't subtle but at the same time all of it works for me and I, but i you know but i what I, what I would say is i think that he's a terrific 
genuine phenomenal songwriter i think he's a genius i really really do and you know in going through this list and trying to like uh correlate it the way craig did with bowie and kind of have you know break it down in terms of uh you know quality yeah i will say this and i and i'm very very worried that i might come across like a fanboy here because i, I don't want to but i don't think that nine Inch nails have well first of all the unquestionably for me don't have a demonstrably bad album but I don't think they even have a demonstrably bad song. Like I, I, wow. I, I know how that that's sounds. A, how many albums are we talking about? That's slightly fanboying, Dave. I know it is. We're talking about lots of albums. Counts them for me now, Dave. It, it, it should be said that uh, I guess I, I probably caught them on the same tour as that Reading gig, if, if not in fact the year before. I caught them on a festival in Belgium, where if I remember it, the night went uh, Dinosaur Junior, Tool, Nine Inch Nails, Daft Punk. That's amazing. Which is an incredible, wow. yes, yeah, slightly yeah, weird yeah. night. Um, and you can see also like how Nine Inch Nails in the middle of that can go from sort of like weird fucking industrial hardcore, you know, we're following Tool, to genuine funky electronic pop, we're opening for Daft Punk sort of thing. So they were a very interesting, a very strange bridge yeah. in, 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 in that sort of, uh, in that order. But so Dave, go on, kick us off. What are the essential records? Right? Okay, the essential records, I mean, you got to put Pretty Hate Machine in there. It's the first record, it comes out in 1989, and it has Down in it, which we've heard, and it's all that kind of style. And as a matter of fact, this led to an impasse between Reznor and their then record label because they wanted to market them and sell them as a synth-pop outfit, which, you know, you can tell after you hear a track like Down in it. Yeah. And, you know, something like Sin and, you know, Kind of I Want To. They're all kind of that style. But it does have more kind of aggressive stuff like Terrible Lie, Head Like a Hole, which are just they're classic Nine Inch Nails songs. And it's got something I can never have. Like, like, like it, it veers between this kind of like crazy over the top industrial pop stuff and also a bit more kind of, you know, teeth, I suppose. Uh, it's... It's 1989, so it is the turn of a decade. It is so 80s, it hurts. It's so dated, but in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a remastered version that came out a few years ago. And to be honest with you, if you can track down the original, I'd actually almost go for that one because it's just a bit kind of more raw and kind of fatter or something. There's just something, something about it which just kind of sounds a bit more sonically palatable. You can actually pick it up on vinyl for a song, so I, I, I'd recommend that one for, for sure. Like It's such a fun record, but you can see why you kind of wanted to not get boxed in in that, in that regard. Then you move on to, uh, in the essential bracket here, the downward spiral. I mean, it has to be in there it just has such strength you got closer which everyone fucking loves you got hurt which again like i say when i went back to it it did take me a while to kind of tune into its frequency but it's just such a powerful song like like there's a reason why and Trent Reznor has said himself he said like Johnny Cash made that song his own it's his song now I can't agree I mean like like I can agree that it's a, just a, one of the best covers ever and there's a reason why it's always cited at the top of those best ever covers lists but the original just has so much pathos and it's just brilliant and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with how it ends because it ends with this big loud crash and that's the sting in the tail and I have to say I've kind of come around to it but it's just it's just phenomenal I mean it really really is you got amazing tracks in there like Runer and Heresy and I do not want this and it's just so powerful it's got so much aggression and just it's it's a masterpiece like it's a really masterpiece of a record The Fragile is a double record that comes out in 1999 and I think itself might be a subject of Pitchfork's most withering review one of the most agenda ridden pieces of shit you'll ever read and they're so proud of it to this day which is really really shameful because it's just an incredible record um, the first disc is definitely the more accessible one and this too is a bit more kind of, you know, disjointed by design. But again, you're in this kind of vein of just really, like, like, like it's the peak. Like, like, like he has so much command over what he's doing. And it's kind of interesting as well because like in the kind of mid-2000s, mid to late 2000s, so many uh, film trailers for big films would 
take from this record. Like Terminator Salvation, which is a bad film with a great trailer, uses The Day the World Went Away in it, and it uses it to tremendous effect. 300 uses Just Like You Imagine, that instrumental. And again, you're sitting there in the cinema watching these trailers, and they just, you know, kind of G you up for these films. You're like, oh my God. Uh, And Nice Nails, this seems to happen a lot. So maybe it's no surprise that Reznor would go into soundtracks and have such great effect with it. I was Um, about about to say, yeah, because he and Atticus Ross have obviously made their names in the past couple of years um, as kind of being some of the go-to guys, really, in that regard. We'll we'll get there, buddy. They're on this list. Uh, We move down now into Great. My personal favourite is... uh, (laughs) My my personal favourite now is With Teeth. Comes out in 2005. Kind of regenerates the band. That's where you got the hand that feeds. Now, actually, With Teeth, I've heard quite a bit of. Mm Because at the time, I just read a good review. Yeah, it's a very strong record. So this is only in the Great category. (laughs) I had it in Essential, but I'm moving it down to Great because it's, it's, it's my personal one. But I can understand, again, why someone wouldn't put it in the top, top yeah, echelon. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it is a great record. And right where it belongs, the track that closes it is my personal favourite Nine Inch Nails song. i got to stop saying personal favourite, but it's kind of hard when you're doing a listening guide. Uh, I also have gone for here in the great category, I've gone for An All That Could Have Been, which is a live record and also a second disc of... Uh, what they call still versions of some of the songs very very stripped back the title track appears in this it's brilliant the live thing is amazing it's absolutely brilliant so yeah I mean like going down the list like I, like uh, you had Bowie you had a couple of things where you're like oh this just doesn't quite work for me yeah uh, I mean yeah. the, the 80s and 90s <laughs> this is the thing I mean like you know you could look at the most recent release Hesitation Marks comes out in 2013 and even the most recent EP that comes out with Atticus Ross Knock the Actual Events in 2016 they're good they're fine they're inessential you don't okay. need them they do the job. You got to check out Year Zero, The Slip and Broken. They're fantastic. Soundtrack work, Cullum. I mean, the social network. This is the thing as well, because, I mean, like you just mentioned, like the most recent release, which, yeah, I, I heard in it. It's kind of those weird soundscape things that he did with Atticus Ross, like immediately, yeah. like just I love a couple it, of months ago. You know, don't dive in there first. Whatever yeah, you do. yeah, and yeah. It, it's a little hit or miss for me. But I guess the thing that separates that sort of stuff from, as you were saying, like, you know, Bowie had like periods where it was poor. Here, like, there might be, a, like, a dodgy release or two, but it's not as though they've kind of, like, dropped the ball for a five-year period mm. by any means. The soundtrack yep. to the Leonardo DiCaprio um, documentary, which his name is... Before the Flood, which is. is kind of yeah. uh, with Mogwai, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fantastic alone. And very kind of different, again, like, in their sonic palette, like, lots of piano kind of based stuff, which they would have brought in. I mean, if The Social Network comes out in 2010, it's a surprisingly great film, and it actually wins the Best Score Award over Hans Zimmer's Inception, which I was stunned by. I thought, well, that will definitely, definitely win. But, uh, no, a really inventive soundtrack. Hand Covers Bruise uh, gets cited a lot, and it's great. But then again, I mean, like, you know, they worked with Fincher over three films, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. All excellent work. Now, my one concern, though, is that they've kind of started to do a bit more, like, you know, there's a, they were on Patriot's Day, that kind of Boston Bomber movie that just came out, and I haven't quite delved into that soundtrack so I hope they're not going to oversaturate it because I actually really like the marriage that they had with David Fincher but then again for 2017 supposedly we're getting a new Nine Snails record full-fledged and hopefully a tour so now I know all that might sound overwhelming and I know it might sound like it's coming from a very positive place because I'm such a huge fan even though I came late so famously positive (laughs) yeah even though I came so late to the party uh, so what I have done for listeners who might kind of think well Jesus that's a lot and I'm still not even sure where to start what I have done is I set myself a challenge I made a Spotify playlist at the moment it's 42 tracks long and I'm probably going to keep it to that by the time this episode drops and uh, if you go on to at no one show on Twitter at Harry Dave on Twitter or the post that we're going to put up on Headstuff in relation to this particular episode there'll be a link to it there what I did though was I set myself a challenge of just picking three tracks maximum per release uh, in the case of the Fragile because it's a double record I cheated and I, I picked six but I think it's fucking great and I think give it a go you'll know pretty quickly if they're for you or not but as I say what I would come back to is what I said at the start you might be pleasantly surprised by just how accessible Nine Inch Nails can be granted 
they have some really, really angry and very kind of, you know, sensual songs. So uh, maybe you <laughs> What won't. a combination. Maybe you won't. But, <laughs> this uh, is it. I'm lead singer Frightened Rabbit once said to me, uh, brutal yet tender. And I think that's a perfect description. Um, <laughs> that's one in, description for sure. In, in terms of other things, uh, not are to check out this week. I was taken aback by, uh, remember Black Kids? And Do I what? They had that song in 2008. I'm not uh, going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. Great song. Great song. Uh, off a record called Party Traumatique, mm-hmm. which I don't think went down terribly well. No, the next single was pretty crap, so I and just then stopped that listening. that was the yeah. end of them. And this was during that kind of, you know, very kind of late 2000s indie thing where bands could be just chewed up and spit out in no time at all. Uh, they're back. They're back with uh, like a full-fledged <laughs> second record, uh, which apparently was recorded a year and a half ago. And you know what surprised me the most? They're not English. I thought they were English. No. Maybe. They're from Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah, we all knew that, Dave. No, we didn't. Yeah, I think we did. I, yeah, I was, I was <laughs> they do right. sound exactly like The Cure. So yeah, yeah, that guy sings very much in that style. The album is called Rookie. I've only given it a couple of spins, but it's not bad. It sounds like they're kind of still in two thousand eight. Okay, but it's not bad. We'll give it a go. Okay. Um, this week, I um, yeah, as well as enjoying Jens Lechman's album, which I mentioned here before, Dirty Projectors, which I mentioned here before, and Ryan Adams, which I mentioned both last <laughs> week and this week. Um, Maggie Rogers actually dropped her EP last weekend. It's called uh, Now That the Light Is Fading. And uh, yeah, we said that she seemed to have a bit of star quality about her, and this does nothing to dissuade that argument. Um, yeah, she looks like the real deal. Cool. I usually say old stuff, but I've actually listened to new stuff as well hey. this week. Um, Moby <laughs> has recorded four hours of music for meditation and yoga. And no joke, I've actually started doing yoga again. And it's really good. It works for it. So if you're doing yoga, if you're getting into the Lotus fucking... Get on Long Ambience. It's wow. really good stuff. It's and for free a, a as well. A reminder that if you want to see a Craig's Lotus in person, uh, turn up to the Workman's Club this Thursday, Thursday, March 2nd. Uh, tickets available from noencorelive.eventbrite.ie and that's where you'll find all the information. It's going to be a fantastic event. We are very excited. It's the first time that we've ever done something like this. We are really, really happy that we've got such a fantastic lineup of guests to join us, mm-hmm. uh, both musical and of the talking variety as well. Uh, it should be absolutely fantastic. So yeah, log on, get your tickets, come on down and uh, yeah, hopefully see you there. Now, from one animated cork man to another, we will have Owen French, a.k.a. Talos, play us out this week, because we always put out with some good Irish tunes. This is called Odyssey. There's been a lot of buzz about this guy. Cullum, are you a fan? I am indeed, yeah. His song from last year, Your Love's an Island, was genuinely one of the best Irish tracks I heard all year. And, yeah, I think he's the real deal, really. Yeah, I think he's really good. Well, it's a swirling, romantic slice of poised electronic pop that builds to a contradictorily euphoric climax, one that belies the self-doubt at the heart of the track. That is from the press release. My name is Dave Hanrady. There will be no encore. This has been no encore. This is Talos. This is Odyssey, and we'll see you on Thursday.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. Full-bodied ride. <laughs> Unbelievable. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.